hello and welcome to episode 91 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Evelyn. This month saw the release of the not at all confusingly named Coming to America, the sequel to 1988's Coming to America. As with many late-coming sequels or reboots, anticipation has been mixed, but we thought this would be a great time for another Can We Still Be Friends first, an episode where we watch and discuss a movie and its sequel. With Eddie Murphy making a comeback of sorts, we were glad to also revisit him at the height of his powers. In 1988, Coming to America was a commercial smash, making over $288 million worldwide. Eddie Murphy was about as bankable a star as he ever would be, and co-star Arsenio Hall was on the brink of hosting his iconic talk show. In 2021, the release of Coming to America has been met with the reception we've come to expect of decades later sequels. Some fervent excitement, some cynical mistrust. Even though Coming to America has earned a spot in the Comedy Movie Hall of Fame, and the early reviews of Coming to America are less than glowing, it's interesting to note that critics in 1988 weren't much kinder to the original. But is the return to Zamunda a joyous one? Or when we think of garbage, do we think of King Akeem? Keep listening. Once upon a time, in a faraway kingdom, lived a handsome prince. He was attended by devoted servants. Do you think perhaps just once I might use the bathroom by myself? Most amusing, sir. Wipers! And engaged by royal decree. Why? Why can't I find my own wife? We've gone to a great deal of trouble to select for you a very fine wife. I want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. Where will you find such a woman? In America. So he traveled across the sea to the land of opportunity. Which is where the fairy tale ends and our story begins. Behold, Simi! That is the trailer to the original 1988, Coming to America. And I think that's, that's, that's how I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to say Coming to America. That's 1988. T.O. Coming to coming America. Coming to America is going to be how I say 2021 sequel. With the number two. I, I, and I can, I can tell the inflection in your voice there enough to where I think our, our listeners will be able to pick up on that as well. Okay, good. I hope so. And where that inflection is missing, we can either restate it. Sure. Or we can say the sequel. Right. Okay. If we need to. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so that was for Coming to America, mm-hmm. the, uh, the original. I think that, I, I don't know, this movie, I feel like it's more or less a given that people have seen it. And I don't, I don't say that to make you feel bad for not having seen well, it yeah, until, no, until that, recently. I think that's true. Yeah, we'll get into my first viewings, uh, which were just recently, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. It's just, it is weird because it's such a cultural staple. At it this is. Point. It's a staple of a movie. But it's know? one of those things where I think so many people think everybody's seen it. That they don't think to show it or bring up like watching it. True. Right? True. It's just one of those things that we all kind of are familiar with. So, uh, but if you, if you don't remember the plot or if you hadn't seen Coming to America, Prince Akeem, played by Eddie Murphy, he's supposed to be married and his marriage is supposed to be arranged, but he wants to go find his own wife. He wants to marry for love. And so he goes to where there would be queens to marry. He goes to Queens. Queens. And I love that that trailer to me is also a blast in the past, just having voiceover narration like that, just mm-hmm. laying it all out for you. Yeah. So, yeah. I miss that. We need more uh, hand-holding as far as what this narrative is going to be about. You know? I agree. Instead, I feel like a lot more trailers just show us most of the movie. <laughs> right. Because they kind of need to. Right. Because they don't have that guy. They need the guy. But yeah, so uh, we've never done an Eddie Murphy movie, I don't mm-hmm. think, right? Nope. Nope. So we're... First Eddie Murphy movie, but our second John Landis movie, which I wasn't remembering, is a, a Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers is a John Landis movie. Right. I don't think of John Landis as kind of having a thing. Landis is kind of a guy that was sort of the, the, the guy behind the scenes when it was like a big star vehicle. So you had right. Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi in Blues Brothers, and it's really their movie. And yeah. I think it's the same here with Coming to America. This is really Eddie Murphy's movie. Yeah. Arsenio Hall as well, but like you're not really thinking too much about who's behind the camera on this one. No. Though I think it's, I, I, I think it's funny. Um, I don't know. It, it, he also had a big hand in some Michael Jackson. Yeah, um, he did the Thriller stuff. video, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, he did Thriller. Yeah. It's interesting how much he's been involved with. Uh, Animal House, he directed. Spies Like Us, 
He, I don't know if you saw that, but that's a Chevy that Chase. Right. Like, uh, you know, he's just kind of one of those like seventies, eighties SNL ish kind of guys. He kind of shapes comedy for yeah. that era. But he's not really a name. He's not one of the like legends, well known. But no, his name comes up a lot. It, it, it seems like he knows when to just kind of let these larger than life stars do their thing. Yeah, and to sort of make a movie that can support that, whatever it looks like. Yeah, so. Uh, we don't often go back to the kind of eighties classic comedy. Well, either I don't think. for the podcast. Yeah, you mean? for the podcast. Not not too often. I'm trying to think. Is is part of it that it's almost too baked into like the yeah. culture and who we are that we part of us feels like what could we possibly add to it? I think. So. And really, the only reason we're doing it this time is because we've got the sequel, right? And we're kind of like, oh, this gives us a good excuse to talk about this movie that you know pretty much everybody's seen. And right. I think these are some of the hardest episodes we do because I, I remember going back to even Blues Brothers. And that episode is kind of like, well, what are we going to add to this yeah. that hasn't already been said? Right. So, you know, I think we'll, we'll kind of do our best with this one here. I'm coming th- at it as someone who, kind of like you with Titanic, where it's like everybody had seen this movie and somehow you missed it. Right. Somehow I missed Coming to America. Yeah. So you don't have a, you have a first viewing, but it was for this podcast. Yeah. A better question is, why didn't I see it? And, yeah. And I, I actually have not seen a lot of Eddie Murphy. Have you seen like Trading Places? No. I've seen Beverly, Beverly Hills, Hills Cop. Cop. Okay. But even, I haven't seen like 48 Hours. No. I actually, you know, I haven't seen Boomerang. I haven't seen Harlem Nights. Now to me, like Eddie Murphy was the guy who, and this is like, you know, later Eddie Murphy, but he was the guy that I would go see his movies in the theater because it's what my younger brothers and sisters wanted to see. Like Nutty Professor, Dr. Yeah. Doolittle, mm-hmm. the, the later sort of Eddie Murphy family, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that that's who I thought Eddie Murphy was. Now, Eddie Murphy, I definitely knew from SNL. Mm-hmm. Like I had seen some of his like classic sketches. I watched the best of Eddie Murphy SNL. Um, right. You know, I, I think back then it was VHS I watched. Mm-hmm. Watched it a couple times. So I knew he was funny. I don't know what it was. My, I just didn't grow up with his movies. Mm-hmm. Coming to America, I know, was just a constant on cable. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't have cable. So it was never on my TV. I think that's how a lot of people caught it if they didn't catch it in the theater was it was just something that was ubiquitously on cable. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with a lot of friends who quoted it, who loved it, whoever right. talked about it as their favorite movie. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those that, uh, as we say in the podcast often, slipped through the cracks. Yeah. But... I think we mentioned this a little bit in our last episode. It might gotten cut as we were previewing, but we talked about Dolomite a little bit. Right. And um, Dolomite was a movie I, you know, I watched and I really liked. Dolomite and was, is my name. Dolomite is my name, which came out what two years ago, maybe. Was it? Was yeah, it a year ago? Or, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was a Netflix movie where uh, Eddie Murphy plays Rudy Ray Moore. Um, you know, and I really liked that movie, and so I, for that reason, was excited about the sequel to Coming to America. And as I said in my last episode excited that it gave me a reason to finally watch Coming to America. The other thing that I think caught me by surprise, I guess I, I just didn't know. I was completely ignorant of how important and beloved this movie is for so many in the black community. Yeah, You know, on Twitter, I started seeing so much talk about the sequel. And also there's this woman who comes in the library and sometimes we talk about movies um, and I had mentioned that I was going to watch Coming to America, and she knows that we have a podcast, and mm-hmm. I said we were going to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, this is at the library, if you don't know where I work. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and she was just like, you need to be careful with that one. <laughs> like, that one's, we like that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of going into that with like, okay, this is a revered movie. Yeah. This is a very revered movie mm-hmm. to the black community. And so I, I just didn't have any idea. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of became more aware of that a couple of years ago when uh, there's a basketball player on the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is um, Nigerian, but his family went to Greece, and so he grew up in Greece, but he's also very connected to his Nigerian roots. And when he got his first signature Nike shoe, one of the first colorways that came out was a Coming to America uh, colorway hmm. um, that was like inspired by the kind of the costumes and the gold that he wears and stuff and, and like so the, like this was Zamunda thing yeah, yeah right yeah and yeah there's I mean they they refer to it in coming to America but Zamunda and Wakanda there's kind yeah. of a you know a similar sort of cultural pride and connection that's felt there so yeah certainly we're not going to be one trying to like see that in the movie like we're not trying to anticipate what those cultural connections (laughs) would be we're also aware that there is something culturally that won't be connecting with us and we're not going to be trying to 
like pick it apart right or along as, those lines. you know or make any assumptions right. uh, of what a different community thinks of this movie yeah. uh, but you know I, it's something that I am very like I just I it's I'm aware of now it's not something I knew was sort of part of that canon for the yeah. black community yeah um and so you know in that way even because I had not seen it before at all now having seen it it's like Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense, especially for 1988. Yes. You know, that this would have been a very special movie mm-hmm. and was doing some very different things mm-hmm. and also is just very funny. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I, and the depiction of Queens is very, like, I don't know. It's not a New York that you, I feel like I've seen in 80s movies or 90s yeah. movies depictions of New York. Right. Um, well, and, and just kind of flipping the script because, I mean, certainly my growing up view of Africa was poverty. Sad to say. Yes. And uh, to flip the script on that and say, no, I mean, this is a beautiful culture we're yeah. going to talk about here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to flip the script and make America kind of the shithole. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and to still make it funny. Something that you could say that's kind of subversive when you really think about it, especially for like the time. Yeah. But, but then because it's so funny, you almost don't think about it. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, like what, how that how Yeah. That, so what, don't we, that what, works. what about you, though? What, what's your experience with this movie? I, this was not one that I had watched alone. Like, I, I can't act like, oh, wow, you haven't seen it. Like, <laughs> I saw it, I don't know, in the last 10 years. You know, I was watching some early Eddie Murphy stuff. And um, so I, I saw it coming to America. And uh, so I'd only seen it once. But so, yeah, I uh, basically my story is that I've seen it. And um, but I, I just remember thinking it was funny. There were a few things that I was like, oh, that's what that's from. And, you know, yeah, yeah. and um, seeing kind of the... The origins of Eddie Murphy in makeup playing yeah, so many different yeah. characters. Um, I thought that was new with Nutty Professor. Yeah, I mean, of course, I, I did too. You know, I yeah. hadn't seen it anywhere. Um, um, but no, that was that was something that he was very good at for a very <laughs> long time. Um, and so, yeah, I really liked it. And um, I hadn't seen it since. But I actually was kind of excited for coming to America just because... Like we talked about last week, there's the Eddie Sans, you know, mm-hmm. like Dolomite is my name. I really enjoyed. And Eddie Murphy back on Saturday Night Live. Like there's just yeah. sort of like a whole lot of. And it was a great episode. Right. He was back on guesting and he just looked, he, he looked so effortless doing that. Yeah. You know, that just- was the thing. That was the thing because I guess so much of the family, Eddie Murphy had seemed so like he was trying so hard, like he was yeah. just mugging so hard that to see him be that kind of funny again. In that very cool, slick way, yeah, I gave me just a lot light of hope on his feet. For, just yeah. Right. yeah, it gave me a lot of hope for coming to America. Like I trusted he probably wouldn't be doing this, especially because he does seem like the kind of person who takes a lot of pride in his work and what he's created, and wouldn't be flippant about cashing in on it. Yeah, and so long story short, we'll get to it. I think he's still got it. You know, like mm. yeah, Eddie Murphy's still really pretty great. But yeah, that's that's my that's my experience with coming to America. It's not very long, um, but I have seen it. So, Let, what, what, so on on the rewatch, what would you have given your 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 letterboxed rating? All right. Well, okay. I think first time viewing, I would have given it four stars. You know, around uh-huh. there. I felt like there were some pacing things, some things about it that I was just sort of like. Between gags, it's not. It didn't hold together as well for me. Um, so it's probably like three and a half. But I don't know. Yeah, three and a half, four. I don't know. What about you for your first viewing? I was gonna. I mean, I was gonna give it a four. Yeah, because um, it was such a. It was such an easy watch, and you know, mm-hmm. especially coming into it not having seen it and not having watched it in its time at all, for right. me to laugh as much as I did still. Yeah. yeah. I was just kind of surprised that I did because you know sometimes you go into these comedies and you're like if it's something that's a little bit older Mm -hmm. and like I'm gonna watch this very aware of like sort of contextualizing it like would I have found this funny at the time so even if I'm not laughing a lot right now I'm like but it's still a great comedy because I could see it's breaking a lot of ground you know coming to America I feel like not only is it breaking ground for its time it is still very funny yeah and that's me saying it as with fresh eyes like i don't have any relation to this other than my first viewing right now it's a funny movie if Mm -hmm. it were to come out today (laughs) it would be a successful comedy i think you know so yeah i I would probably give it i'd probably give it four stars i think you're right i think there's some stuff that you could you could look at and be like yeah this is sort of 
touches of mainstream comedies, you know, where it's just sort of like sometimes stringing along plot between gags and right. things like that. It's not going to thrill you any plot loops or twists or no. anything. It's a very standard, mm-hmm. just, you know, mainstream comedy, yeah. uh, but, but so well done. Yeah. And, and, and as I've already said, you know, it, the other things it's doing outside of like plot are, are just, they're, they're interesting to think about. One thing I found that I was not expecting is I had that image on my mind of, you know, what I'm assuming, like the movie poster, just sort of like Prince Akeem, Eddie Murphy as yeah. Prince Akeem, coming to America. I knew the basic plot was, this is an African prince who comes to America. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. And you so, didn't know why he came to America or anything? No, else, I had no idea. And so I think as a white person watching this, my initial assumption was that this was going to be a lot like his SNL sketch where he dresses up like a white person mm-hmm. and kind of sees the racism. Mm-hmm. This movie is just not that concerned Mm-mm. with racism. I mean, that's not to say that he doesn't acknowledge that racism exists, but it's just not right. about whiteness at all. No, it's not just, at all. It's right. just, and I didn't expect that. Yeah. You know, and I found out that the really the only white person of name in it at all is Louis Anderson. And I found yeah. out later that the only reason he was even in it was because the studio said you have to you have to we cast need a, a white person. We need a white person in it, and they were kind of like, "Well, we don't mind Louis Anderson, yeah. <laughs> so we'll yeah. put Louis Anderson in it." You right. know, it subverted my own assumptions. Yeah. My assumption was this was going to be a movie that the comedy was going to be someone who is treated like royalty in Africa coming to a racist country and being treated like dirt by white people, right? That was my assumption of what th- this movie would be. Mm-hmm. Not at all. No. It's a better movie than that. Right. You know? And not only that, like it does, it does portray and at times use as comedy socioeconomic uh, kind of... The, the, they go to the worst part of Queens. Yeah. And yeah. There's, that's played for laughs some, but there's also well-to-do black families right. like at the center of it that this isn't in any way, shape, or form, a monolithic portrayal of black people. Right. And like you say, it's not concerned with race. It's not making a big deal about that, mm-hmm. which is, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm not, like, you know, it's just like, well, that's really cool. Like, yeah. And actually, that was intentional. I mean, obviously, it's intentional. Course, yeah. but, I, but, but I remember there was a, um, I was reading sort of an oral history of the making of it, and John Landis said that that's one of the things he liked about the movie was that it was going to be a black movie that didn't make a big deal about being a black movie. It's just normalizing black. Yeah, it was, it was a normalizing movie. And yeah. that, that was an important thing to do, and yep. it wasn't going to make a big fuss about it. But yeah, I think that's, uh, that's really interesting that you say that. I think that would probably be true for a lot of people if they uh, thought about it, that this movie is subverting in that way, those expectations. You, you, you talked about how, yes, there are well-to-do uh, families in this movie. It's not just uh, poor people in poverty, but even the well-to-do families, part of its humor and it, has, it doesn't really have anything to do with them being black families, but it's just saying that America's idea of what it is to be well-to-do yeah. is pretty pathetic. Yeah, like when he's telling him, you know, you work hard 20 or 30 years, you could have a house like this. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. McDowell, played by John Amos, mm-hmm. which is a great role. I love him in this movie, and I love how he's trying to woo the royal family at his house, and he woos them with, like, uh, frozen uh, pigs in a blanket. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he said, they're frozen, but they taste so good. They're just as good. And, and, and that's just... Uh, really funny statement on like the sort of that, that capitalist consumerist mentality mm-hmm. we end up cheapening our own prosperity yeah. like that is our prosperity is like frozen pigs in a blanket right you know that's how you know you made it in america so uh, aside from what you already said was there anything uh, other things that you thought you knew about it as far as like who was involved with it or anything like that that surprised you there was a okay so when i'm if you first sit down to watch this movie prince akim which is the most like on the face of it, Eddie Murphy, obviously. Right. Don't get me wrong. He's funny. Yeah. But I'm thinking like Eddie Murphy funny. I'm kind of like, this is kind of a dry, straight He's kind of a straight man. Yeah. And so what was surprising to me was because again, I knew nothing about this movie was then seeing that not just him, but Arsenio Hall were also playing all these different characters. And so when I first saw that barbershop scene, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, these actors, they look funny but like i don't but like the makeup is so good it's amazing this, especially on this, it's the same makeup Saul. people who did american uh werewolf in london oh okay that's why it's so good you right. know john landis brought them yeah. in and i i kid you not it was not till the ending credits that i was fully convinced that the older jewish man in that barbershop yeah. was eddie murphy that's what i was saying yeah Saul <laughs> was Saul. yeah not just the makeup but his Voice. Everything, everything about it just blew me away. Joe Lewis, the brown bomber. 
Now that was a great boxer. You damn right. I suppose nobody in here ever heard of Cassius Clay. We got a point. Cassius Clay was a bad motherfucker. Yeah, I ain't saying Clay ain't bad. I'm just saying I stopped liking Cassius Clay once he changed his name to Muhammad Ali. What kind of shit is that? Wait a second. Wait a second. A man has the right to change his name to whatever he wants to change it to. And if a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, God damn it, this is a free country. You should respect his wishes and call the man Muhammad Ali. His mama named Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Mm-hmm. That's right. I say Clay. Get out of here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He going to always be Clay to me. I don't give a fuck what chain name to. He is Clay. He Clay to me. I say Clay. Well, then you're a putz. The three of you. Three putzes. You should change the name outside from Mighty Shop to the Three Putzes. Then you have, you know, the preacher, Arsenio Hall. Reverend which, Brown. Reverend, he's, that's a hilarious character. The, the Randy Watson yeah, and Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think next to Saul, I think that Randy Watson's makeup is the best. Because they changed Eddie Murphy's facial structure so much. This is the soul singer, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That I was sort of like, it took, me, it took me more than it probably should have to be like, wait, that's Eddie Murphy. <laughs> right. Um, I love how the, 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 the extra characters show those extra brilliant yeah. sides of yeah. Eddie Murphy and Arsenio And Hall. so, you know, when I started noticing all of this, I'm like, this is why Coming to America is so great. Because Prince Akeem is a great straight man. And then it's just elevated so exponentially well, by you, all these different characters that it's just fun to watch. I, I can see why it's so classic, you know. And I think part of the part of the joke of Prince Akeem is that Eddie Murphy is playing such kind of an awkward, not smooth character yeah. too. You know, so it's not only Eddie Murphy's being the straight man; he's playing against Eddie Murphy's smoothness and type, right? Right. Um, right. Which is would have been so well known to audiences in 1988. So to say, for me to say that, like, he seems to be, like, better in the make makeup characters, it doesn't do service to how well he is playing and Prince acting Akeem. as well, Prince Akeem. I think he's basically playing a straight man off of his own type of right. what we've come to know as Eddie Murphy's comedy. Right. You know, the way he's so innocently plays off of the crassness of Queens. Yeah. There's something so funny about him singing joyously as everyone's just swearing him out yeah. in the alley. <laughs> it just gets more and more obnoxious and he doesn't seem to notice yeah. anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Another way that you could assume this movie was going to go is that Prince Akeem, in his naivete, is eaten alive by mm. queens. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't really happen. But he's not because yeah. he's so rich, it doesn't matter. Like anything <laughs> right. that happens, he knows he can just get out. Like they steal all his stuff right at the beginning and he doesn't care. Like he's just like, huh, they've, they've got my stuff. Right, right, right. You know, you can't touch him. And because of that, he kind of like is able to maintain this innocence that um, makes the movie pretty kind of refreshing and, and it doesn't carry with it an edge that you might expect a depiction of like lower income urban neighborhood would carry with it. Yeah. Like yeah. it gets to depict it, but it doesn't exploit it. It doesn't wallow in it. It doesn't mark it as dangerous. It's just, this is how some people live. And it's, it is interesting to me though, that, and you, you alluded to this in our intro that the critics really didn't care that much for this movie. Mm -hmm. um, it was immediately, obviously an audience favorite with how much money it made. Right. And I was kind of looking back at, you know, well, well, what, what, qualms did the critics really have with this and i think it's kind of that we, what we talked about of they were focusing too much on prince akeem and mm -hmm. thinking that compared to the eddie murphy we knew from like beverly hills cop and 48 hours that like this seemed almost like boring to right. a lot of the critics right and it's like the audience was smart enough to realize well yeah but it's funny to see eddie murphy diversify a little bit right you know this is not him playing his eddie murphy thing right and then you still get the eddie murphy thing with yeah. the other characters so right. what's not to love right. critics yeah. you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> got everything you want from him and something new god yeah. forbid so i don't know if this is gonna work but what are what are some of the scenes that like that you found to be the funniest or the the moments i know we've maybe talked about a, a couple yeah i mean like i i think even just right off the bat yeah just the the funniness of like 
how ridiculous the the regalness of yes, it is the, like the, the rose petals and the having the bathers the chamber the- orchestra <laughs> waking him up with music yeah yeah that it's such a strong opening and when he asks we heard it in the trailer i think but when he asks to go to the bathroom alone <laughs> and just every detail of that is great and it's smart because you need to believe that he wants to go mm-hmm. to some place like queens mm-hmm. So how do you make that funny? You just make royalty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like super ridiculous, yeah. you know. One part that like kills me every time is when um, Oha, he's kind of like the top person of, of the, the assist- serving. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Uh, played by Paul Bates. <laughs> when he just steps forward and starts singing that yeah. song <laughs> about the woman <laughs> he's going to marry. She's your queen. Like, I just didn't expect it. And he goes on and on yeah. and on. Uh, I love that part. And, it, and also in that opening scene, and it, it's not necessarily comedy, but just the dance routine even yeah. was like, wow. And that was choreographed by Paula Abdul. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you just don't see that much in today's comedies because it's still big budget. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but you're talking about close to like 100 dancers, I right. think, there. Yeah. So that was just cool. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if this is too retrospective 2021 lens um but after seeing coming to america i don't think it's it's too too critical um but it felt like there was a sort of outdated sexist misogynistic angle that felt uncomfortable at times i think that's there and i think that coming to america is very aware of that and tries to almost combat it right you know right but it's there yeah you know, and so that was one of those instances, and there weren't many in the movie, where I did kind of have to compartmentalize a little bit mm-hmm. and say, well, you know, honestly, if I'm going to hold this comedy to that standard, right. every comedy I watched in the 80s had oh, essentially absolutely. the same viewpoint. And that might be know? part of why we don't go back and watch those. You and I go sure. back and watch those yeah. very much because we're, we would absolutely be like, oh, gosh, this yeah. is I mean, not funny. Jeez, I mean, even John Landis. You mean look at Animal House? Oh, you know? of course, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you're right. It's there. I think one thing that does temper it is that Prince Akeem isn't really there for that. No, like taking part in that. Semi does, I think, a little bit more. But then you also have somebody like Reverend Brown, who is obviously supposed to be gross in his yeah. leering and lecherousness. Right. So there are varying shades of it. Um, and ultimately, Prince Hakeem, that's, that's one of the things that he is dissatisfied with his life, is that he wants a woman that he sees as a whole person. Right, right. And doesn't want just, uh, you know, someone who will do everything he says. Um, but like you said, the reason I mentioned it is because coming to America seems aware of that. Yeah. That there, that there needed to be some movement on that well, point. Well, so maybe we should start, let, let's start bringing in coming to America then. Yeah. Just discovered that I may have a son here in this land. How much child support is she getting from? The king pays no child support. No child support for 30 years and you came back? You was a dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I am Hakim Jaffer, king of Zamunda. You are the heir to the throne. Yes, my son. He's supposed to be like... So... I have to kind of question our entire endeavor with this a little bit because I was on Twitter and um, I follow uh, Charlie Dates. He's a senior pastor at Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. And he tweeted about coming to America. And it just, this just caught my eye thinking about us recording he this. He tweeted about coming to America or coming to America? Well, both. Let me, okay. This, this, okay. Okay. I'm going to read you the tweet and I want you to kind of respond to it. And then we're going to get into sort of coming to America, oh the sequel. Okay. So he says, first of all, important. This is in all caps. Coming to America, the sequel, must be enjoyed as a distinct feature on its own merit. It's been too long to judge it against the first. Mm -hmm. Eddie Murphy and Arsenio caught lightning in a bottle in 1988. They didn't realize they were making a classic. End of tweet. Okay. So I think it's it, it it'll be interesting to kind of bounce back and forth between the two movies, but I think he's got a point there in that. Oh, definitely. And I also think it's a sign that there was a lot of apprehension about this sequel. 
like I think there was a lot of from people, people who held it dearly from people who held it very dearly mm-hmm. of like I I don't know about this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, you can sense it. I think in that tweet of sure. like almost like bracing yourself. Yeah, like brace like, yourself. Listen, for the of worst. course, it's not going to be. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it's uh, think that's good to note. I honestly though feel like any comparing I was planning on doing is favorable. Hmm. Okay. So let, let, let's let's just start with maybe. Yeah, maybe that response tells me you didn't like it as much as I did. Maybe not. First impressions, though. What? What? Let, let, let's do our thing. What, what would be your letterboxed okay. rating now if you were to letterboxed rate this? Honestly, I would put it four stars. Really? Yeah. Okay. Now, that is four stars on its own merit, just standing on its own. Okay. Based on how much I enjoyed the experience, I I did laugh. So okay. on that on that level, it has to have some success to it, right? Yes. And I think that. Uh, Charlie Date's point is well taken, uh, that we should kind of look at them as two separate movies. They are also inseparable, I think. Of course. I would give this just flat out so we know kind of where we're starting. I would probably give this a three star. Okay. So I'm not going to say it was terrible. Okay. I'm not even going to say it shouldn't have been made. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But you're, but you're thinking it. But no, I wouldn't even... Th- <laughs> I had to question it uh, at some points in the movie. Okay. Um, I feel like this movie didn't have the consistency that the first movie. Oh, yeah. No, I would agree with that. It was a very inconsistent movie. And I also feel like there was so much of me that in this movie, I was like, I wish they would have done this more. Mm -hmm. I wish they would have done this more. Or I wish they hadn't leaned on this so much. Whereas in the first movie, I just didn't, those things didn't come up to me. Sure. It's a mixed review for me, uh, which I think is sort of so far, we're only like two days into this release, that seems to be not yeah. only the critic consensus, but also sort of the audience consensus is sure. it's a little mixed, you know. Um, we, should, we should maybe start with what really works well in okay. this and what, what I think they did really well as far as like, so it didn't just seem like a cash grab. I All guess. right. Well, let me say before we do that, I definitely switched my mindset about a quarter of the way through the movie. I was feeling really critical at the beginning. And it is not as original. I mean, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. it's not as original. It rests on references to the original more than I would have liked it to, um, including just saying lines again. Or just you know, actually showing clips, clips from the first movie. Right. That didn't bother me, by the way. Including a clip that I was like, oh, I didn't really like that part of that first movie. (laughs) And then they showed it again. And it was during the sequence where En Vogue comes out, then Salt and Peppa comes out. And I was like, ugh. But then, kind of like what we were saying at the beginning, I was like, just because these aren't culturally nostalgic for me, that doesn't mean that it's not clicking you know like it's Mm -hmm. not it's it's not out of place in this movie it's not like so i just kind of gave myself over to it Mm -hmm. and i I don't think it had so much to do with the interview with eddie murphy and um arsenio hall that i read but i think that was part of it to know they didn't want to make this unless they made a movie that they wanted to make Mm -hmm. you know that it wasn't a cash grab for them that they wouldn't have returned to this these characters if they didn't feel like it and so I was trying to look at it more through the lens of like, why did they want to do this? Right. And like, what fun are they having? And they're bringing back En Vogue and Salt and Peppa who like, you know, what are they doing? You know? And then seeing through to the end of the movie where they bring back so many people who maybe haven't even acted really since the original coming to America. Right, right. Like, I'm like, this is kind of a reunion movie. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. In its and own I, way. And I am, I am there for that. That that part I am completely and I, there. Yeah, and so I guess I I sort of felt like everything was in that vein, and even when the the jokes felt cheaply throwback, I was kind of like, okay, that's fine. You know? <laughs> but I will also grant you that this movie loses me in more places than the first one yeah. did. And I even said that the first one lost me in a few places. Um, I think that uh, his son—that's the weak link, honestly. To yeah. me, I have a real hard time with the character of Lavelle and, mm-hmm. and, and centering so much of the movie on this character that honestly is just kind of boring. I don't know if it's how the character is written, um, if there's just not a lot given to them, but there are. I didn't find him funny. No. Maybe in like one or two scenes, but that's about it. And there are, there are definitely funny actors you could have put in this role. And who knows? Maybe that's just uh, 
they, they, they really still wanted to make this an Eddie Murphy movie. And so right. they kind of wanted to hedge their bets. And, you, you know, but this, this movie has to center on that character. Right. Uh, which I thought was just completely flat. Yeah. And um, I don't know that actor, um, Jermaine, Jermaine Fowler. Fowler. I don't, Not, I don't really either. I think he's been on like, really? I looked at his IMDb. He's, he's, it looks like he's worked with like Bojack Horseman. Right. I haven't seen any of the actual like movies or li- live action stuff he, he's been in. Um, he was in Sorry to Bother You, but I don't remember him. Right. Yeah, I've seen that movie too and I don't remember him. I mean, he might be a really good actor. I, I just don't feel like the character is no. all that captivating or interesting. The family around the character is hysterical. Yeah. I love Leslie Jones in this movie. <laughs> she she was so funny. Unreal. <laughs> so funny in this movie. And, and of I, course, I, I, Tracy written, Morgan. Of course, Tracy Morgan. But I just have in my notes, you know, like, we need more Leslie Jones in this. This movie needs more Leslie Jones. She kind of is pulling off whatever new thing this needed that yep. had that Eddie Murphy magic. Mm-hmm. You know, let me tell you something, baby. Mm. You a prince now. Okay? And one day, all this is going to be yours. This long-ass table, all this food, this whole damn kingdom. I always thought that Mika was going to be queen. A woman isn't allowed to rule Zamunda. It's the law. So, it's going to be this guy. I've lost my appetite. Mm. So, um, is anybody going to tell me why these mashed potatoes is black? It's caviar. It's caviar what? Caviar, Mom. You know our cousin named that. She is really, I think, carrying a lot of this movie. And she's not in it enough. I don't think she's in it enough. I agree. Um, And I think just even conceptually, this movie loses me a little bit. Because it's not really coming to America. It's America coming to Zamunda. It they could have even called it coming to Zamunda. Yeah. But so much of the comedy yeah. of the first one is this prince who is royalty coming to America. Yeah. And it's a fish out of water story like we already talked about. And it's still a fish out of water story. But not interesting. Right. I was really struggling to come, on, come into terms with what I was meant by that. Why is that not interesting but Eddie Murphy going to America is? And I'm going to give all credit to Odie Henderson, who I mentioned in my Defy Bloods um, episode. He's one of my favorite critics right now. He writes for RogerEbert.com. I don't have direct quotes. I don't have it up in front of me. But his general argument was that even if you don't live there, you kind of, you know Queens. Right. Or you know New York. Or you know America. Right. You don't know Zamunda. Mm. So you're getting a fish out of water story of someone going to a place that you don't know. So Mm -hmm. there's no comedy to play off of. The Lavelle character... None of his type of comedy that would have worked with Prince Akeem in Queens works with Lavelle in Zamunda because you just don't have that relation to it. You don't have that friction, I guess. Or it's just not as funny because it's not Eddie Murphy. I don't know. That whole bit of this movie, I feel like, is just kind of dead. And therefore, that whole love story that this thing has to center around is not as... uh, I just don't care about it as much. Right, yeah. You don't really care so much about his son and marembe you don't get to know like all that much about but it's also like unbelievably clear from the first moment they meet each other it's like oh they're gonna be together mm-hmm. um yeah i don't think they raise the stakes well i don't think they establish the stakes very well yeah. let alone raise them and yeah I, I don't know why it didn't feel so important to me <laughs> like yeah that's why like seeing it as a reunion movie yeah. more than as a continuation of the story a necessary continuation of the story right. felt like, that was a turning point for me in my viewing. I could see that. I mean, when it's funny, it's really funny. But it's just, there were, there were whole chunks of this movie where I, I was just kind of out of it. You know, like that whole thing with, like, um, where Lavelle is trying to kind of learn how to be a prince. And yeah. the, the lion whiskers and um, yeah. all that stuff. I'm like, this, I don't know. I, but, but then, again, <laughs> you get Leslie Jones back in, and I'm like, all right, I'm back in with this. Or Tracy yeah, Morgan. Or Tracy Morgan. Or you just or get, even again, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Or Arsenio Hall back. Yeah. And, yeah. Wesley Snipes, even, is right. great. You know? Oh, man, I laughed so hard at the entire army using the um, shake weight. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's right. Right. Just, <laughs> I laughed oh, out training. loud so hard. I, I, that's such a stupid joke, but so funny. Yeah. It's uh so Eric Cohn. It's not he writes for IndieWire. I don't I don't often read his stuff, but he said 
the way he put it is those who adore the original will feel like they've been revisited by an old old friend or perhaps the dirty uncle whose jokes are a bit frayed but still pointed enough and that's how i felt it like i don't know what the ratio is but there certainly was like eye rolls and then laughs like genuine laughs like okay that's that's pretty funny and i think that one thing that I kind of called an asset is also a liability for this movie that Eddie Murphy didn't want to make a movie unless he was like happy with like the story. And I think what he was happy with was, do I get a fairly sizable role right. in this movie? Does it still get to be an Eddie Murphy movie? Right. And for that reason, then Jermaine Fowler and his daughters are just tremendously underwritten and yeah. underdeveloped. And none of those daughters are really given a role or even like, you know, Leslie Jones is really funny, but, you know, none of those other daughters have any sort of comedic thing that they add to the movie. Right. You could have even had a role where one of the daughters goes with to America right. and plays the Prince Akeem role. Right. And just plays that person who is naive and, you know, about American ways. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's good that they show that his daughters are already more world-weary yeah, than true. he was at that yeah. age, right? About like, how on fleek is already out of style. <laughs> yeah, but also just like sociopolitically, you know, they're, they're more aware. Right, right. And I think that that's good because why would Akeem have raised daughters to be so sheltered, so bubbled? True. You yeah. know, like, so there are things that make sense about it, but they don't do enough with it. And uh, not to mention the fact that Kiki Lane, who plays his oldest daughter... We've seen her in If Beale Street Could Talk. Like, she oh, was yeah. incredible. She can do so much, and she just isn't given a whole lot to do. So there's this, there's a question. Like, how much of the plot of this movie is really supposed to be dissected? And right. how much of it is, you shouldn't make it if you're not ready for it to be dissected. You know, like, <laughs> if you're not going to be kind of aware. And if you are going to be aware of per- certain aspects that needed improving or correcting, but then not go all the way with them, or not, like, fully kind of realize those where does the responsibility on the filmmakers part lie and where does our graciousness need to go i guess one of my major issues is that it doesn't feel like a movie that's about going to america it really is just called that because it's the sequel to coming to america what's disappointing about that is that you could have done new comedy with what america became Mm -hmm. like they kind of hit on it when he goes there and they talk about gentrification yeah and, they, and then the barbershop scene, which is great, again. And they talk about, you know, that we got Nazis now, but they look like the geek squad. It is so good to see you. Your neighborhood seems to be thriving. Oh, that's that gentrification. You know, when a colored man had this neighborhood, didn't have shit. And the white man move in, they got the coffee houses and the dog parks. And my brownstone on Fox Boulevard is worth $10 million. Your brownstone ain't worth no $10 million. My brownstone is too worth $10 million. And I'm going to sell it and get me a Tesla. America has certainly changed since our last visit. Your black president finally united this great country. Yeah, but it's all going to hell now. We all going to die. Just don't know how. It's going to be the Nazis. Nazis are back. But now they dress like that Best Buy geek squad and they want to kill people. Anybody could be a Nazi. You ever notice that, Prince? Akeem now is an African king. Now, if you had, like, say, like we talked about, like a, a, one of his daughters came with and she got the whole coming to America experience from the first one, mm-hmm. you could have dived a lot deeper into that comedy. Like, what's, right. what's funny to pick apart about Queens now? Now, maybe that's just a different movie and they didn't want to make that movie. Yeah. They wanted to go to Zamunda and they wanted to have Zamunda really be sort of the, the center of that movie. I guess that's fine. But then I guess you just, you, you got to have someone better than Lavelle to carry that right but that's not i mean i don't want to take away from the stuff that was funny in this you know yeah and the reason i say four stars which feels high the reason i say that is because i you know at the end of the day it was a I, i thought it was funny pretty much beginning to end i thought it was fun and i wasn't lost during the scenes that didn't work hmm uh, you know, for for as imperfect or underdeveloped as the the romance between Lavelle and Marembe is, I really like Marembe as a character too. Yeah, like you know, she she's she's fairly well rounded for the amount of screen time she has, and there's also kind of something interesting happening there, where she is one of the people who is coming to America, hmm. and doesn't want it. Right? Like they get there, and <laughs> right. obviously, like the marriage with Reverend Brown or whatever. But the idea that Lavelle has is well, you can't have what you want in Zamunda come to America. 
And she gets to America and she's like, I don't want to do it here. Please excuse my intrusion. Carry on, please. Wait, wait, we in overtime now. I need 200 more dollars. What you need is to start the ceremony for come up there and beat Mary, you. Mary, if our son wants to be married in this glorious house of... In, in this glorious house... This is a house of God, isn't it? More like a crack house of God. Ah. And it shall be as magnificent as a palace ceremony. Come, sit. Yes, continue. This doesn't feel right. What? You don't want to get married? No. I'm not saying I, I don't want to get married. What? Someone does my home. It is my pride and my joy. And what about your sister? I, I think it could have been a very simple choice and, and one that could have been, you know, essentially problematic to say, oh, well, look, this character who's African can't get what she wants, so she goes to America. There's that part of it, too. Like, Lavelle is interesting in that way, in that even though he has been a part of like the system of america that oppresses black people which i think was illustrated really well with the colin jost oh my gosh i love cameo. that scene that scene is colin great. jost was great yes he really was um and so and so was jermaine fowler in that scene like yeah he's yeah got, he's got scenes i i don't deny that jermaine fowler is probably a really good actor you know yeah. and and probably has a good future ahead of him i just you know i, I think the character was underwritten yeah I, I do you know but it's still it's it feels very true that America has this view of itself that even people who have received the injustice of its system still buy into it, you know, like, yeah. and it's not leaned on heavily, you know, like obviously no, my point yeah. of view is being brought into that very strongly. Um, but it, it, it would have been a simple choice for them to make that like Marembe is like, Oh, America, like this right. is great. But she gets there and she's like, no, I don't, you know, I don't she's want this. It's kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to do it on my terms. I don't want to do it running away, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah, all that to say, just generally, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't so put off by, by some of the, the shortcomings. Right. I mean, I think it elevates itself more than just being a cash grab. Yeah. I, I think it does do that. I do too. I think, and I think it was probably very aware of that was going to be the perception. Oh, I mean, they, you know? they talk about that. They, that's right. When they it's talk about American in, movies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's all superhero movies yep. and reboots and sequels. <laughs> and sequels nobody that nobody asked, asked for. for. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously it's self-aware in that way. And I think that there are key ways in which the movie has elevated itself above that. Mm-hmm. And we can we, we should go over what some of those are. So I mean I'm, I'm honestly Zamunda still looks great. Ruth e, Ruth Carter did the did oh, the costuming. Gosh, dang. And, yeah. It's, She's somebody that when I see her name in the credits, I'm already going to be like, okay, this movie is at least going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be good to look way. at. It's going to be good eye candy. And yeah, man, man. I love the costumes in this movie. Yeah. I thought they were so yeah. great. They're even, I mean, that's a way I think that it even improved upon mm-hmm. the original and the original was good. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned it, you mentioned it uh, earlier, earlier on in the episode of like, it's good to see that Eddie Murphy still has the magic. And I think he does yeah. in this movie. It's very clear. And in that when he brings those characters back, they still have all the life to them that they had in the first one. Same with Arsenio Hall. Although his Baba character, that like, which, <laughs> that thing is frightening. It's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and was it, was it a he or she? I don't even know. I think it was a he, but it was definitely too scary to be entirely funny. <laughs> I don't know that it worked that great or not, but you know. And 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 of course, a way that I think it elevated it was not just, hey, let's get some new familiar faces in here with Tracy Morgan and Leslie Jones, but I think they used them oh, very well. Yeah. It wasn't just sort of like, let's have Leslie Jones do her thing. She right. does do she her does thing, thing, but it's so good. But it's really well woven into the movie, you know? Yeah. And like I said, the movie is, it's still entertaining. Yeah. That's why I say it's not terrible. That's it's not what a, I think. It's not I, a bad movie. I just don't know that it's a four-star comedy to me because I don't know how often I'm going to want to necessarily come back to it, rewatch it. Um, you know, it seems like to me a streaming platform yeah. sequel um, that is kind of made to have everyone's attention for a few weeks. Yeah. And then we don't really talk about it a whole lot after I that. wonder if I or everybody would feel differently about it if it had come out in theaters. Like if it would be seen as much more of a, like a disappointment. Or better. I mean, the idea of seeing it with, with a bunch people. of people could yeah. have made it an even better experience. Maybe those parts that I was just not having with Lavelle yeah. would, be, would be like fine in a sure. theater because everybody else was laughing. Yeah, know? yeah, that's the thing. Like comedies aren't necessarily made to be watched alone. Alone, which I or, was. Yeah, alone. me and Kelsey, Kelsey and yeah. I watched it together. 
But um, yeah, I don't know. I just really thought it was fun. I actually expected it to be worse, Yeah, I think, is part of why I enjoyed it. It's not necessarily a bad thing just to want to make a good mainstream comedy. No. It doesn't have to end up being at the level of the original right. Coming to America because the original Coming to America just turned into that. You know, right. it wasn't, that was never even the intention of that movie. And I guess know? that's, yeah, that's, I think what you're saying is exactly what I'm feeling. Like, this is a good comedy, you know, like it's a good comedy. It's fine. Yeah. It's, and, and, uh, 2021 is not so different so far from 2020. Uh, you know, anything that's going to, keep my attention and I'm going to have fun watching, that's going to be worth something to me, you know? And I kind of am thinking like, what did I need this movie to be? Which wasn't much, you know, it didn't need it to be much at at the beginning. I was feeling like, okay, this better prove itself. It better be as good as the original. It better. And once it started kind of rehashing some stuff, I was like, okay. But then there were times where returning to a joke worked there were times where it didn't. I, I just didn't feel like I was placing that much on it. And for some reason with this one, the night I watched it, I was able to just, by the end of it, enjoy it. And, you know, yeah. even through John Legend re-singing that song, <laughs> yeah. it was good, you know? Yeah. I think this, this one uh, almost took into account what coming to America meant <clears throat> To the black community. Even through to the end where they bring back the two women who rapped. You know? Right, right. Even though the beginning of the rap is exactly the same, and we already saw it in this movie too. They replayed that clip. I'm like, they found those women in They found them. Back. They're still there. Like, that's awesome. And that was all over the movie where they, they brought back so much of yeah. the original cast. So it's playing on that level where it's actually playing off of its cult classic status. And... um I don't know that there's much wrong with that, although I will say that when other movies have done it, I've found it really grating, you know? Yeah, and I guess I felt, I just, one of the, I I don't know, I felt appreciative watching this movie. You know, like you were saying, this movie culturally is a window for me, you know? It's not a mirror like so many other cultural kind of mainstream things are. There was an element of just being appreciative of the fact that I was able to witness Eddie Murphy playing a character he loved, adding in actors to it who have proven themselves like Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan, but also using it as an opportunity to introduce new people to the kind of cultural consciousness. And like you said, bringing in and people And bring who, back people yeah. who, you know, like we haven't, we haven't talked about her, but um, Sherry Headley as Lisa... She's really solid in the first movie. And I thought she was great in this one. When she's drunk, that was like, I don't think she got to be funny in the first one. Right. I thought she was really funny in this one. Yeah. Yeah. And they brought John Ames back. Right. And, and they kept the gag going. And it's, yeah, still, it's funny. still funny. The McFlurphy. McFlurphy. <laughs> it is very funny that John Ames is as adamantly <laughs> assertive that he is not, not ripping <laughs> off McDonald's. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, that's funny. You know, so the movie is generous, I think. And one of the things that I didn't love was how it rehashes things, but some of what makes it the best that it is is when it sticks to the original characters. It's, I think Wesley Snipes is a really good addition to I this I think so, movie. too. Just as, like, you know, a nice way to kind of, you I, know, up the ante a little bit, bring Wesley Snipes in, and he'll I take care of you. I do hope you know? Wesley Snipes keeps doing more comedy. Yeah, yeah. Because he seems to really enjoy that. Like, be <laughs> kind of like this really outlandish character. Oh man, the way he enters the room, just that mm-hmm. like side strut walk yeah. Yeah. thing. He, I don't even yeah. know what you call it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so and we might not be best buds on, on coming to America. No, but I, I will say, I think, I don't know, I think you've convinced me a little bit. I don't want to go four stars, yeah, but, but I, I'll ra- I think I'm going to raise this to a three and a half because I think you're right. I think that there, you've, you've highlighted some ways in which I, I don't think I gave the movie enough credit. And uh, at the end of the day, it was still a funny movie. Yeah, and I had a, I did have a good time watching it. So, yeah. so I think uh, I, I'm willing to kind of bump it up to three and a half. But I, I do think I don't I don't know that we're quite best buds on it. I'll, That's I fine. don't know if I'll go that far. But I think we're pretty much in agreement on coming coming to America. Yes, best buds on coming to America. All right, maybe so a mutual another, mutual understanding. Maybe. Another can we still be friends first? Where we we aren't ending the episode on one like uh, type of relationship. Or, That's right. Or state of the relationship. Are you sti- are you sticking with four? 
you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, at the beginning of, of talking about coming to America, I, I said three and a half, but that was just because it wasn't like exactly like I had remembered the first time. This you is know? the first one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm going to raise that one to four and I'm going to keep coming to America a four that is one of those like, don't press me on that like right. don't don't be like this doesn't don't, don't compare it to right. another rating I've this given. doesn't like, mean the fact that i rated footing right yeah uh did you find uh, we've done this uh periodically i don't know if we've kept up with it but oh, did you find irrelevant trivia? irrelevant most irrelevant imdb trivia i i wanted to do this but i didn't look at anything yet so all right well while you're looking i will share mine for coming to america okay there isn't a ton of trivia on that, so you might want to look at Coming to America for your trivia. I'll look at the... Okay, you do... How about that? So you do the most irrelevant trivia for Coming to America. I'll do the most irrelevant trivia for Coming to America. Nope. I'm doing for Coming to America, and you're doing it for Coming to America. Oh. I'm doing the sequel. You're doing the sequel. Yeah. And, okay, I, I, sorry, I misunderstood you. I didn't misunderstand the, reflect, the inflection. I actually misunderstood... Okay, uh, what I meant. Yeah. All right, well, here is the most... Irrelevant IMDb trivia for coming to America. The enemy state's name, Nextoria, comes from the word next door, as in neighbor. Mm. Mm. I don't know if you picked up on that. When you heard Nextoria, I, your, your, your mind probably went everywhere else except for well, the phrase. I, I think I was thinking, next door. you know, what they should have done is called it neighboria. neighboria. Yeah. But they didn't. They right. called it next door. I don't know why. What does that have to do with anything? Well, next door, neighbor. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I. You know what? That it is irrelevant. It's also very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe it's not as kinda, irrelevant. We're kind of using those interchangeably right now, which is fine. That's fine. There are actually several totally unnecessary bits of trivia, including released thirty three years after the original film, and then even though this film is rated PG thirteen. Its predecessor was rated R. Oh, oh. interesting. I hadn't, uh, yeah, I had thought of that actually, but uh, it's good that it was stated yeah. like that. Okay, so it's my turn now. Uh, yeah. Which what, we're, This is for Coming to America, the original. Here is your most irrelevant piece of trivia for Coming to America. At around one hour and one minute, Samuel L. Jackson, who we didn't talk about, by the way, in the movie. No, we didn't. That's a really interesting cameo there. Anyways, he portrays a robber knocking off a fast food joint, McDowell's, and calls Maurice, Louis Anderson, who we also didn't really talk about much, didn't really need to, no. quote, fat boy, unquote. Right. In Pulp Fiction, hmm. 1994, he called, this is Samuel L. Jackson, he called a restaurant employee, quote, fat man, unquote, hmm. while it's being robbed. <laughs> Interesting. So. That's relevant. I can't believe we hadn't talked about that. About how Samuel L. Jackson apparently likes to call people fat something. Right. While robbing. Well, he, yeah. I mean, he grew uh, as a person. And yeah. moved from calling people fat boys to fat men. Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite between those two. Oh gosh oh man well, i mean what are you gonna go with you're gonna go with uh fat boy in coming to america or you're gonna go with fat man in pulp fiction right i mean in one scene he's the robber in one scene he's not right but the restaurant's being robbed right yeah and it's a tough call it is you don't have to answer right now you can think on it yeah and maybe listeners can call in and let us know yeah. uh, their their thoughts on on this but that is it's just so irrelevant it, that is it. your most irrelevant piece of trivia for coming to america yeah so that was fun yeah i guess it's time then for us to talk about what we're gonna do uh next episode. yeah let, let's that do right? that but before we do that uh -huh. <laughs> i do want to mention if you stick around after this episode we're gonna play some of our voice messages uh that we've yeah. gotten now here's the thing <laughs> one of them one of them is months old <laughs> <laughs> um so we found out uh that for a while now uh our voicemail box has not been forwarding to us right and i mean we're talking we've had like thousands yeah. of missed messages here and, I don't, yeah. and we don't have time to put all of those into the uh right. into the episode so right. we're, we're just going to pick one mm -hmm. uh kind of like our what we thought was like the the best one or yeah i mean we uh, haven't we have another we have one from last episode we have one from last episode one, yeah one from months ago that we we sifted through yeah we had, well we had the interns 
listening to those hours and hours and it wasn't feedback. any any of their fault no no we they figured were, out the, the we problem we didn't have an interim on spam duty we do now yeah We've like got a couple, a, you know, technical glitch, and we've got it worked out. Yeah, it's the, the the important thing is it's fixed now, but we have to make amends. We have to make things right, and so we're gonna play sort of like what what we figure is sort of like the well, certainly the most ego boosting. It is, and it's also sort of encapsulates what the other thousands and thousands of messages had to say. So, yeah. we do appreciate that. We hope you stick around. Yeah, but yeah, why don't we uh, let's talk about our next episode here? Yeah, well, we're we're continuing to to break ground. I, every episode, uh, something just, new. Uh, yeah, I can't so, believe this. Twenty twenty one is shaping up to be just innovation yeah. central. Yeah, we're just taking podcasting to different levels. Right, um, right, right. And really, so, that have never been done before. I don't think so. By this podcast, no. Oh, absolutely not. No, yeah, right. So uh, we mentioned, I think it was last episode or uh, episode in December, maybe we were guests on the podcast Two Beards, Please. Yeah, well, that uh, was in December. It was our, it was our Christmas. episode. It was their Christmas episode, and I think we may have mentioned it in our Christmas yeah. episode or mm-hmm. our December. Episode. We did, yeah. And uh, so we have invited the the the, the beards, the, the beards as they uh, call themselves, Nate, Nate C, and uh, and. Drew, as I call him, Andrew, as he's known on their on, podcast. On, the beard, on Two Beards, Please. Two um, Beards, Please is the podcast. We, yeah. We've invited them to be on our podcast, just kind of a, you know... A Recipro- reciprocating. The, right. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to do something a little bit different. We're going to let them pick the movies. What we are going to do in that conversation, and this might be something we continue, we kind of hope to continue this, yeah. is having people on, and they're going to tell us which movie they would want to talk about. Maybe it's a favorite movie, or maybe mm-hmm. it's just a movie they have always wanted to talk to people about or it's a movie they think people should think differently about mm-hmm. or more people should be thinking about. So, maybe it's a movie they're confused by right. and maybe they need it's us to kind of help to sort things out. ideas yeah. around. Yeah. Um, so we are going to be uh, talking to Nate and Drew and they have selected the movies MASH Directed by Robert Altman. We haven't done an Altman. We haven't done a Robert Altman. I love Robert Altman. How did that even happen? 91 episodes in and we didn't talk about Robert Altman? I don't know. I mean, there's 91 Robert Altman movies. How would you pick one? (laughs) Right. So, uh, right. So we're going to fill in that that, uh, gap in our archives. Yeah, so uh, thanks to the beards. Thanks to the beards, yeah. Specifically the beard called Nate. Yeah. And then we're going to be watching Pollock from uh, 2000, directed by and starring Ed Ed Harris. We're having the beards on, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this movie kind of through their you know yeah. feelings about them. We're gonna we're gonna find out why they wanted to talk about it. Yeah, we're gonna kind of dig through their thoughts on it mm-hmm. and uh, and our thoughts on it. We're gonna watch. Right. We're, we're all gonna, gonna watch, watch it. it. We're yeah. all gonna watch. We're all gonna. It's gonna be. A, You're gonna watch it. As You're gonna watch it. Or yeah. Even if you've seen it, rewatch it. Yeah, and uh, we're finding ourselves really curious to hear why do movies connect with people, yeah. or you know what what what's going on. We kind of feel like. In the last seven years, we've been able to kind of do a little bit of therapy through movies and conversation, <laughs> and not that we're like, you know, extending that service to other people, but we we want to kind of hear what other people have to say about yeah. their relationships with movies and what they think. I about think them. over the years we've been surprised by how much they can just kind of be this uh, this portal into ourselves, really. Right. I, I think you know there reaches a point where, and maybe it's ninety one episodes where <laughs> where where where. where I'm that's not what say, the well, studies are saying. The I'm studies not, are showing it's about 91 episodes. That's not to say worth. we're tapped out necessarily on talking with no. each other, but I think there is going to be a new dimension to bringing some more people on here and getting yeah. their perspective on things yeah. and, and and figuring out what it is that movies do to, to all of us. Yeah. You know? It's going to be fun. It will be fun. So watch these movies with us, and we want to not only bring the beards into the conversation, we want to bring you, the listeners' yeah, beards absolutely. into the conversation, yeah. if you have a beard. Anybody, yeah. And a beard... I think a beard is more of like a spiritual thing. Yeah, it doesn't have to physical. be a it doesn't have to be a literal beard. No. Bring your beard, whatever, whatever that means, that is. into the conversation and give us your thoughts on Mash and on Pollock or yeah. on any of our past episodes or this episode. Did you see Coming to America or Coming to America? We want to hear it. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways you can reach out to us. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Ryan, how about the what are those ways? Oh, well, uh, one of them, head to head over to facebook.com. Uh, find Can We Still Be Friends podcast. We're mm-hmm. there. Uh, we're on Instagram, or as Nate likes to call it, the Insta. Gram. Oh, yes, the Gram. <laughs> you used to call it Insta. I'm changing it up a little bit. Okay. And uh, we are there uh, at Can We Still Be Friends pod. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we also, of course, have our website, canwesillbefriends.net. You can comment on the episode uh, directly. You can email us. The email address is feedback at canwesillbefriends.net. Um, and there's always, you can either record a, a voice memo and send that in an email, or you can give us a call at a phone number that Nate has memorized. And that, and we are monitoring at this point. We are, yes. I promise. <laughs> Yeah. 847-306-9532 is the number. Yeah. So let us know. We uh, always appreciate uh, the feedback. We appreciate you as listeners. If you want to show your appreciation even further, feel free to uh, leave us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or write up a little tiny review. And also just share the podcast. Let yeah. your family, friends, people you love, mm-hmm. people you hate even. Might as well. You know, share, share it around. Share Especially the love. if you don't like it, share it with people you hate. Yeah, yeah. We found that that's very successful, actually. If you don't like somebody, sharing our podcast tends to um, you know, only, mm-hmm. in, only increase that relationship. Yeah, and we hate listens count as a download. That's right. We don't really care. A download's a download. Well, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen and um, thank you for this. This is a, this has been groundbreaking. These yeah. two, this, the doing the movie and its sequel. Yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us on this groundbreaking expedition yeah. that we're, we just yeah. did. We're excited for us. We're excited for you. Right. Uh, and uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. See you later. What's up? Can we still be friends? This is your, your buddy Tim. I'm I'm proud and honored to be able to say that we're buddies. Um, just wanted to give you a quick call, long time listener, second time caller over all these years. Wanted to give you a quick call to say T Hanks for all the time and effort you guys put into the podcast. It has meant a lot to me over the years, and. Um, Especially recently. I'm just, I'm so glad you, uh, safely and at the appropriate time, you know, found your way out of quarantine to get together and continue more, uh, episodes. Because the last couple, especially, have just been just rich for me. So thanks for all you do. The, uh, the Five Bloods episode was huge. You nailed it. So many layers to that that I felt like were so timely, so important. And, um, you guys gave the rest of us an opportunity to process in a in an important way. So thanks for doing that. Um, the way that you drew out the nuance of the Babadook and kind of how that plays into any parents right now during um, pandemic situations and the monster that is lurking if uh, we don't pay attention to the way we live. Anyway, just a lot of stuff that I really that meant a lot to me made me think and enjoyed um, those movies even more. So thanks for all you do. Keep doing it. I know that you guys do it for your own enjoyment, but thanks for doing it and letting us listen in. All right. Peace, guys. Hey, guys. This is Dan. Um, There's a lot of different movies that you guys have gone over these past few weeks, so I'll focus just a little bit on uh, Small Axe. But before that, I'm glad I watched Time. I loved it. It was just a beautiful uh, documentary, and then uh, the beginning of ending things was also really cool, but I'll leave it since it's already been a couple of episodes before. But um, with Small Axe, just thought it was really well done. I love some of the still shots that um, McQueen used to capture these moments. Uh, to not make this too long, I'll, uh, I'll just say the one that stood out to me probably the most was uh, the red, white, and blue one where the dad basically called out his name, ran up to him, Gave him a hug, like it just, you know, destroyed me. And then um, last thing, with Alex, really, the, that episode it really reminded me uh, about one of my boys, who also was named Alex. I'm not going to go over his history, but basically adopted him, and he's been through some stuff. And uh, it just really resonated with me. I won't go into details for obvious reasons, but I'm so glad you guys recommended it, and I'm glad I watched it. Thanks again for suggesting all these uh, great movies and documentaries and miniseries. Bye.